jasoncharles.net. Art, art, and, art culture. and culture. You are listening to Lost Angeles with Laura Craven on jasoncharles.net. This is Laura Craven with Lost Angeles on jasoncharles.net podcast network. Today, our episode features Escott Norton, director of LA Historic Theater Foundation. You can visit their website at lahtf.org. Welcome, Escott. Thank you. Nice to meet you. We're sitting today in the Globe Theater, which is on Broadway, the site of many, many historic theaters, which we can talk about. But what makes the Globe special is it is being used currently for many different types of events. And as we're sitting in a club-like atmosphere with interesting furniture, maybe you could talk (laughs) a little bit about this new life that the Globe Theater has taken on. Yes, we're we're very excited about what what has happened with the Globe. Um, When we first came on the scene 31 years ago... Right, you had an anniversary last year in 2018. Congratulations. Thank you. When we first started, the Globe had been closed. In fact, it was one of the reasons that we formed our organization, because the, the, the Globe was closed as a movie theater, it was boarded up, and they were going to turn it into a swap meet. So they leveled the floors... They, they got all ready for the actual selling of junk, and uh, I think it happened for a little bit. There was a swap meet sign up there, but it really lost all of the glitter and, and glamour that this, this beautiful theater had. And for decades, it sat really underutilized. When the, uh, the club that was, that was here operating, when it was closed for a number of reasons, again, what's going to happen with the globe? What's going to happen with the globe? Uh, a gentleman by the name of Eric Choll, a French gentleman, traveled all over the world. He was a very successful club owner in, in Paris and in France. Traveled all over the world looking for his next job. He wanted to move his family somewhere and start with, a, with basically a blank slate. He fell in love with the globe. And now we're sitting in, his, in, in millions of dollars and many years of work. We're sitting in, in the glory that he's recreated. Wow. Well, it certainly shows. It's just been very lovingly restored and all the the original appointments that you know might be minor details but they just really jump out at me like the beautifully tiled floor in the lobby yes gorgeous gorgeous i think that's one of the things that that uh, makes it such a pleasure to work with someone like eric because he's into the details he appreciates that and these theaters are special because of the details they're not just black boxes they're 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 living and breathing details everywhere you look. Right, that living history. Yes. That's a great thing. And is Eric still the owner of he, the Globe Theater? Yes, he owns the business and, mm-hmm. and he operates uh, on a very regular, they have multiple events every week. Yes, yeah, I've seen the Globe Theater website is also yeah. worthy of a checkout because they do have such a diverse, eclectic mix exactly. of functions that take place here, especially in the basement, <laughs> which has its own, its own venue calendar going on. Um, well, thinking back to 1988, mm-hmm. when the LA Historic Theater Foundation was launched, it was actually 
a response to the popularity of the LA Conservancy's last remaining seats fundraising events. The, the theaters that are down here in the downtown area are just breathtakingly beautiful. And there was such a lack of exposure. Yes. So perhaps you could talk about how your organization was born out of the LA Conservancy. Yes, there was a, there was a committee within the Conservancy, the theaters committee, and they put on their fundraiser, the Last Remaining Seats fundraiser, which activated um, three or four theaters every, every uh, summer, and it, it continues on. But at the time back then, very few people came down to downtown to, to appreciate the theaters. So Last Remaining Seats brought droves of people who would never come downtown normally. After the first Last Remaining Seats, the committee basically said, well, this is fun. We want to do this all year, not just once a year. So they, they broke off in or, and created the Los Angeles Historic Theater Foundation as its own separate organization. So while we work with the Conservancy on certain theater-related issues, we are our own organization and focus 24-7, 365 on theaters. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can see in the research that I've done on your foundation, it's tireless, constant work. It seems that mm -hmm. there's a lot of advocacy, activism, you're involved with political figures, and it's such a gift that you're giving to Los Angeles because this history would be lost if we, if it was up to developers, it was, you know, up to just the general idea of bringing commerce to downtown. I think the, the oldest, most beautiful buildings that are neglected are the first to go. So. Right. Right. The activism that's really my focus, uh, I'm really the advocacy person within the organization, I think is, is so important. And really there's two sides of advocacy. There's the public education side. How do we tell people that these places are here and, and what their value is? And then working with the owners, the politicians, the developers to make sure that they, are, they understand the value of what they hold on to. So it's really twofold. And, and yes, it's very exciting work and, and something that I'm quite passionate about. Yeah, and <laughs> I wanted to mention one of the, the theaters that is considered a preservation success story is the Earl Carroll Theater. And if you could speak to how that came out to such a positive end for you, because I know the story doesn't always end that way, um, but I'm, I'm fascinated with the history of that. I started reading up on Earl Carroll and uh -huh. his girlfriend, Beryl Wallace, yes. and I just find it's such a romantic story and so intertwined with Hollywood and LA history. So if you could talk about how your involvement there really saved that property. Yes, this is a, this was, we consider one of our biggest successes of recent time. The Earl Carroll Theater uh, was a re really unique theater, even when it was built. It was a thousand seat dinner theater with a giant 70 foot double revolving stage which is still there, hidden underneath the, uh, the existing stage. Really operational? Um, well, no uh, one's flicked the switch. Uh -huh. I think it'd probably need a little work, but it's still there. So you had this very unique space that, was, that went through about five iterations and name changes. At, at one point, uh, it was uh, multiple names. At one point, it was the Aquarius, and that's where Hair, the musical, uh, premiered mm -hmm. uh, 50 years ago last year. Uh, my parents saw it. <laughs> and they <laughs> and they have great memories. So so the Earl Carroll, after its its showgirl era, had many different lives. Its most recent life was as a soundstage for Nickelodeon. 
mm-hmm. uh, vastly underutilized. Yes, they may have an audience of 30 or 40 people watching some TV show being filmed, but it was really not being used. A developer bought the theater as well as the parking lot next door. And they approached uh, our partners, Hollywood Heritage, which is a preservation group focused in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Hollywood Heritage reached out to us and the Theater Foundation and Hollywood Heritage started this coalition of preservation groups. We met with the developers very early on, about five years ago now, four or five years ago, and we had multiple meetings with the developers, with their architects, with the owners, and really came up with a plan that allowed them to build their structure on the parking lot and preserve the theater. And it, it took a long time and a lot of meeting, but, but one of the reasons we think of it as a success is because developers get a bad rap. And it's always sort of promoted as developer versus preservationist. And in this case, we sat at the same table for years and worked out something that was beneficial to both of us. So I think of it as a real flagship for moving forward in the conversation between developers and preservationists. Mm-hmm. I think one of the really important parts of this story is the coalition that we formed with preservation groups. Hollywood Heritage, LA Historic Theater Foundation, the LA Conservancy, and the Art Deco Society of of Los Angeles. We all got together and sat at these tables and met with the developers. So we have a much stronger voice. We're representing thousands of preservation people uh, through our organizations. And I think it gave gave us some weight in the conversation. Yeah, that degree of cooperation. I mean, I'm sure that the city leaders, they cannot deny that they should work towards a compromise or, you know, at least a way to keep the conversation going if there is a property that might be challenged, Mm -hmm. should we say. And and, and this was a challenging one because mm -hmm. it's not a normal theater. You can't just flick a switch and show a movie on the screen. There is no screen. It was used as a soundstage. So, it's a challenge. Now, we are working very actively to find someone to take the Earl Carroll Theater and reactivate as a theater. This is something that we're very active and very interested in, and, and I'm working tirelessly on, on this as well as activating other theaters. But yes, the Earl Carroll, activating it is going to be a, a, a milestone. Right. Well, that's great. And I, I look forward to following that story as it continues forward. I did just want to say an, an anecdotal thing about that theater is above the entrance was painted that saying through these portals pass the most beautiful girls in the world yes and i i knew that i was familiar with that in some way but i couldn't remember exactly how but i hope that that's been preserved or at least it will be remade well yes so earl carroll had that at his theater uh in new york and that statement. When he came to Los Angeles and to Hollywood, he actually did a giant neon face of his wife, of Beryl Wallace, and those words are in neon around it on the, on the sunset facade of the building. The owners have committed to rebuilding and, and restoring that neon. So once again, we'll have this giant And that will be installed on the side of the And those That's words will be installed. Great. Yes. That is really, yeah. really great. Um, I wanted to talk about the the architect Charles S. Lee, who seems to be the most prolific in this area and built the most theaters. Just wondering if you could talk about... Oh, yes. uh, He's a fascinating, fascinating person, and I can just name some of them are right on this same block that Mm -hmm. we're sitting on, the Tower Theater and the Westlake Theater, the Star Theater in La Puente. It goes beyond downtown Los Angeles. We should remember that, your efforts. I mean, they're they're vast. But what was it about Charles Lee that 
made him such a prolific theater designer? Well, as a designer myself, I, I really admire him. He's probably one of the architects I admire the most. When he did his first theater commission, he was, I think, 27 years old, and it was the Tower Theater, just, just a few doors away from where we're sitting right now. He built that as a challenge. The owner, uh, Gumbiner, said, I want to build a thousand-seat theater on a lot that's only 50 feet wide. Now, 50 feet is what a normal suburban house sits on. So he wanted to build a thousand-seat theater. He didn't quite make it. It's 900-something. That is optimism. But, but... this, but, but his, but so S. Charles Lee took on these challenges. He also was very adept at so many different architectural styles. So if you look at the Los Angeles Theater, which is the queen of, of Broadway in most people's estimation, also just a block away from us, if you look at that and you look at the Academy Theater in Inglewood, built the same, within this, a year of each other, one is streamlined modern, one is a French revival. Same architect, vastly different styles, and he, is, he, is, uh, he excelled at, at every one of these styles, so he could do anything. Wow, that, yeah. what a creative force. That, yeah. that really is great. He did over 300 theaters, not just in Southern California. He has theaters all over the world. Um, so one of the most prolific theater designers, as well as other architecture. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I'm glad that you brought up how he did take on different styles because that was part of the the feeling about the theater district was that they were going to be palaces mm -hmm. and they were going to incorporate several different architectural styles. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Marcus Lowe, L-O-E-W, who yes. has a, a longtime historic theater family, he's quoted as saying, people buy tickets to theaters, not movies. <laughs> yes. And it's kind of charming because of course the movies are amazing and um, tell all our stories. But being in one of these beautiful dream palaces, I mean, it's got to make the whole experience, yes, you know, life-changing. It's a fantasy. I have my own term for it, and mm -hmm. that uh, for the style of architecture, and it's I just call it Hollywood fantasy because really, what what the architects of these theaters did in most cases is combine things. So you'll have French Revival with a little bit of Art Deco thrown in, and then an Egyptian motif. They were, they were combining whatever was considered fantastic at the time. So when um, Tutankhamun's uh, tomb was, was discovered, and all of a sudden Egypt mania, right? right? Around the 1920s. So in the 20s, you have Egyptian theaters opening up all over the country because that was what was fantastic. Oriental theaters. When, when we as a Western culture started getting exposed to the Eastern culture, we have a whole bunch of Oriental theaters, Chinese theaters, Oriental mm -hmm. theaters. This is why Grauman's Chinese exactly. Theater on Hollywood Boulevard was So these were all that. these were all fed by what what the public thought of as fantastic or fantasies. Uh, same thing with, with South American. We have Mayan theater just two blocks away from us, which is like walking into a Mayan temple. So when you walked in to a theater, the story began, well, let me, let me quote S. Charles Lee since we were just talking about him. His, his quote that sort of echoes Lowe's quote is, the show begins at the sidewalk. And S. Charles Lee took that to heart. The sidewalk itself, if you look in front of the Los Angeles Theater as an example, it's this amazing terrazzo pattern that starts telling you the story before you even walk through the doors. That's the story of, this, of the movie palaces. You were taking people sometimes in the middle of the depression or in times of, of heartache, you were taking them away and, and bringing them to a fantasy world for the cost of, you know, for, for 25 cents, 35 cents. 
So that fantasy was now for every man. Every, every person could experience wow. it. Wow, that is great. The, the whole experience of going to the movies kind of pre-Disneyland in mm -hmm. a way. And I do like what you're saying about it, the experience beginning at the sidewalk that would kind of inform the great gimmick that Sid Grauman had about having actors and actresses put their handprints and <laughs> footprints in cement and signing them. Mm -hmm. That's yes. really yeah, that very interesting. Makes the, makes the Chinese theater, I think, probably the most famous movie theater in the world. And, it, and it's basically the accident of, of someone's footprints in the cement. And now people by the millions come visit the Chinese wow, theater. Wow, that's great. But great see a movie. Story. It's not just the footprints. <laughs> see a movie. Exactly. It's a great place to see a movie. Okay. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> to talk with us today. It's just fascinating, and there's a lot more to learn. Yes. So I would encourage anyone listening to this to go to lahtf.org. Check out the website, get on the mailing list. You can find out when events are coming up that help with the fundraising events. One thing I learned about by looking at your Instagram was that back in April, you had a fundraiser at the Palace Theater where you were screening Die Hard. And yes. you actually had the actor Reginald Bell yes. Johnson, yeah. who was the cop in that movie. Uh, well, the friendly cop, too to Bruce Willis. He came and did a Q&A with the audience? It, he actually was ill, so he didn't come, but we had oh. the screenwriters come, and they were hilarious. Wow, they, the screenwriters had all these great little tidbits of, of both the creation of it and the filming of it, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, what a unique, great experience for, you know, and you know that you're doing something great for your wonderful organization. Well, we want to do more movie screenings, but, but one of the things that's sort of our bread and butter and what people really expect is our theater tours that we call Allabouts, mm -hmm. where you'll not only get to see what, what the audience sees, but you'll go behind the scenes, you'll go into the dressing rooms, up to the projection booth. We do three or four or five of these a year mm -hmm. and do get on our mailing list so that we can let you know when they are. But yeah. those are And they're all featuring are, different theaters? All yeah, different them. theaters. We try not to do any theater more than once in a five-year span just to keep the... We have so many theaters here. we got to show them all. That's so, great. Well, that yeah. sounds like a really entertaining, educational venture to go on with you. So definitely, yeah, I'm going to keep following that and following the great work you're doing. Thank you so much for your time today, Escott. Thank you very much. This has been Laura Craven with Los Angeles on jasoncharles.net podcast network. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Los Angeles with Laura Craven on jasoncharles.net. jasoncharles.net deep, deep talk, talk deep, deep sounds, sounds.